Welcome to the Beers and Ears podcast. Here are your hosts, Casey Woolley and Matthew Brown. A long time ago in a galaxy not so far away, we started our journey into Star Wars, the entire Skywalker saga. We've been through the prequels. We've been through the anthology series or whatever. At one point, I think I called them the anthropology series, but the anthology (laughs) uh, movies. But here we are. We have arrived to the OG. We have arrived to the original Star Wars movie that was put out by the wonderful George Lucas himself in May of 1977 called the called Star Wars at the time. It's been rebranded Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope to fit into this much larger uh, saga. So welcome to the Beers and Ears podcast. My name is Casey. And my name is Matt. This was a very weird one to prepare for because <laughs> it's not like this is the beginning. This is the one that starts it all. Mm-hmm. But it's not in terms of chronological, the beginning. You know, when we did the no. Infinity Saga series, we got to unpack kind of the beginning of all this right at the beginning. Whereas now we're like essentially at the midway point of yeah. the Skywalker saga, if not even a little bit beyond it. And now is when we talk about the beginning. And I think what's also interesting about preparing for this is that, at least from my perspective, there wasn't a whole lot of preparation needed because I've seen this movie a number of times. And so, like, yes, I watched it. In fact, I, I watched it a couple weeks ago just to watch it. Like, it was just a random movie. I don't watch Star Wars and I popped it on, which we'll get to in a couple of minutes. But yeah, you're right. This was an odd one to prepare for. And I think this is going to be a very interesting conversation to Matt because. You know, if I'm not mistaken, I believe you saw them in the order of four, five, six, one, two, three, and then, you know, all the craziness. Yeah. Where I saw them in the order of one, two, three, four, five, six. And we've talked about that on the podcast before. Yes. Yes. Um, and, you know, there's this, you know, you, you've talked about when I show these to my kids, what order am I going to show them in? And, and there's that, you know, that internal or existential debate that's out there about what do you, how do you show them to your kids or to other people? What's the best way to, to watch them? I think the answer is whatever way you choose to watch them is the best way to watch them. I think that's the best answer. Cause I, I don't really think there is a wrong way to watch them unless you're like going like nine, eight, seven, you know, something like that. Yeah. But, if you're watching them backwards, that's the wrong, that, way. that's a very wrong way. So, um, so yeah, so we're talking to new hope and, and just let's lay some facts out there first about this. Um, again, released on May 25th, 1977 by 20th century Fox, uh, runs about two hours long. It had a budget of $11 million has grossed at the box office, $775.8 million. It's still considered one of the highest grossing movies of all time. Uh, many of the star Wars movies actually kind of fit into that category. Um, the fact that it had an $11 million budget, it shows it. I mean, it, that's one of the things that strikes me when you watch it. It does show it. Well, I think, Especially coming from like three or, you know, Rogue One. Like yeah. you, you go from that and you go, whoa. Exactly. <laughs> it's a shock value. It, it really is. Although I will say some of the retroactive stuff that Lucas put in in the late 90s helped with some of it. But then there are some really corny parts as well, like the part when Solo walks over Chama's tail and he makes that face. And, and you can clearly see it's literally the screen of Solo being moved up and moving down. Like there's some parts there. I, I did come to a realization, though, Matt. I've never seen the original cut of oh, Star Wars. really? I've only ever seen the retroactive cut because again mm. i would not have seen episode four in its completion until after revenge of the sith came out so that was 2005 i want to say so yeah so i i i've only ever seen the the cut where where greedo shoots first i've only ever seen the the the, the additional added material so i can't kind of go back to the og og because i've never seen it And I think we've talked about this, like, again, there are some people out there that will will argue against this, but it's not like you're really, there's like major things in my mind that are missing from it, or Mm -hmm. that you've somehow got an inauthentic Star Wars experience because of that. Um, very quickly before we get into the movie, I, the research that I did, because um, I knew some of the history of this movie, and I'm not going to go through the entire saga of this, but I made notes on like 
kind of the highlights. I, I did not realize how close we were on multiple occasions of just not having a Star Wars movie. Oh yeah. There's a there's a documentary. I don't know if it's on Disney Plus or if it's on Hulu. I think it's Disney Plus that talks about it's like a two and a half hour documentary. I know you're not a documentary guy, Matt. I get it. But if you're ever gotten more into them since we've done this podcast, I'll be honest with you. If you're bored one day, I, I wish I could remember the name of it. It came out I want to say, I think it was when the original Star Wars celebrated its 40th anniversary. So I think it was 2011. It was it was before Lucas sold to Disney. Okay. And and it goes through the whole history of this movie and how it got made and how they were on the verge of almost not being out. Was on the verge of not being made and the hysteria that came from it, all that stuff. Yeah. So you know he he comes up with this like you know four years before that that this was released so it, mm-hmm. it's in it's post-production of american graffiti that was kind yep. of the, the film that kind of got in there and kind of on the map yeah. and and the big thing right now in that time period is like science fiction was not a popular genre similar i guess with how westerns are right now like mm-hmm. we're not mm-hmm. seeing many western films because that's I, just i don't know if we're gonna see any western films for a while with what's happening with that horrible shooting on oh, rust. Yeah. i mean oh, i just that's just devastating it's totally devastating but continue sorry but yeah so it, it that's just not what's in vogue right now so i mean he turned to all these studios and ultimately you know it was 20th century fox the guy the head was like okay well you know what lucas is talented so we'll go with it and it was interesting in in he began to he finished the draft of the screenplay in may in, of 1974 it's interesting uh all the evolutions so like luke skywalker's character was originally a 60 year old general to a member of a family of dwarves named star killer was yes. gonna be his last name yeah um uh chewbacca was based on lucas's dog um you know, there was there was all this weird stuff. But then what I what I the, the like first day of shooting was apparently like a disaster. Like they were in the Tunisian desert and there were all these problems. Anthony Daniels got like the left leg shattered of his costume shattered and it like pierced him in the leg. Oof. Um, uh, this is my favorite quote from this where um, Ford Harrison Ford. Um, also found the dialogue difficult saying, and I'm going to edit this because of our podcast has children listening. You can type this stuff, George, but you sure can't say it. <laughs> I very much love that quote. Yeah, it is. Yeah. That, 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 it, well, it, and, and the dialogue is clunky. I mean, it, it, that that's, and, and honestly, that is something that has kind of protruded throughout the entire saga. I mean, the dialogue was clunky in the prequels too. We talked about that in the prequels where it's just like George Lucas is an incredibly talented person. He is not a great writer of dialogue. Not a great writer at all. And then the the last thing that I found insanely interesting was that when it released, it was not going to be um, released in many theaters. So that Uh wary that Star Wars would be beaten out by other summer films 20th Century Fox moved the date to the Wednesday before Memorial Day, but few theaters ordered the film. So, but what 20th Century Fox did, they demanded that theaters order Star Wars if they wanted to pick up film. It was it was the other side of midnight. That was supposed mm. to be 20th Century Fox's big film, and they pretty much said, "You have to pick up Star Wars, or you're not getting this." That's film. That's amazing. And, oh my gosh, and what so a what a time to live in when Star Wars isn't the behemoth that it is like that that's what blows my mind right wow and that's not a world that we can like ever really understand like it's it's almost a little bit like think about the world before frozen and now it's it's like oh what's the disney company without frozen and i want to add to that for a second before we really jump into star wars itself you know disney got a lot of flack when it made the decision to buy Lucasfilm and and why are you doing this and you know this makes no sense but what you just said there for a moment I think it's a really important part Disney one of the things I was thinking about was you know what the world was like before Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs now I know that was back in the 30s and and obviously none of us were alive but what was the world like before there was animation what was the world like before there were animated feature films Disney put that on the map right Disney has put a number of things on the map 
Disney, then Lucas, then Lucasfilm comes along and does something that changes the game when it comes to movie making and entire creates an entire genre. Oh yeah, I think the reason why Disney went and bought Star Wars is be, and, and I think Iger said this when he when he announced it and when they made the decision is at its core these are two movie making organizations or sorry storytelling organizations that do a really good job at telling a story at doing a really good job of bringing you into their universe and it says a lot about the walt disney company and more importantly lucasfilm that that element of the walt disney company got its own park or got its own area of a park right and if you think about the timeline um uh, did you watch the 50th anniversary special on ABC? I did. Yeah. Yeah. So they were talking about galaxy's edge in there. Um, in addition, if you haven't watched behind the attraction, the star Wars one, they talked about galaxy's edge there as well. And what you hear the Imagineers talk about is almost immediately after Disney purchases Lucasfilm in 2012, they went immediately to work on what were going to be the three movies because they knew they were going to do a, another a sequel trilogy and at that same time the synergy of here's the movies here's the park here's this galactic star cruiser we've got two of the three of those things but they were all planned at the same time which is what has made that experience and i know the og star wars fans are going to disagree with me then why are you still listening uh well, yeah, how are you still listening to this podcast after we have just lambasted you? <laughs> that, that is that is what has made this experience so interesting over the course of the last really eight, nine years since Disney's bought Star Wars has been watching how they've synergized with the new properties and then, of course, going back to the old properties. And I, I got to say, I don't know if any other company could have done it any better in terms of threading the needle. This was a hard needle for them to thread this entire process going back and trying to tie it to these three movies that we're going to talk about. I mean, it's it, it, no matter what they did, it, no matter what they did, there was going to be backlash for it. Yeah. But overall, I think they did a good job. I have my criticisms, which we're not going to talk about today. We're going to talk about that when we get to seven, eight, nine, but Overall, my criticisms are not like they ruined it or they like I just think there were some just slightly botched things that then just didn't land for me. But you're right, like trying to tie a story that got an original trilogy in the late 70s, early 80s, got a prequel trilogy in the late 90s, early 2000s. And now you're trying to continue on the story from the first trilogy from the late 70s early 80s plus you've also you know they kind of reset the canon here where now they're also having to think about the clone wars and all this other stuff like they're they're really having to kind of it's it's because the world is so expansive the world goes beyond the movies it's in novels it's in comic book it's 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 in everything you really had to to be very careful with it and overall i agree that disney really has done a nice job and it, it, they've again i haven't seen galaxy's edge but i feel i have i feel i have very few people that have said the like actual land itself is a problem i've had people be like you know the rides are not as cracked up as 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 people want it to be especially the millennium falcon ride people are a little bit low on that one but I don't hear anyone being like, yeah, I went to the land and it wasn't good. No, like, it's actually the complete opposite of that. Yeah. Two points I want to make. Point number one, back to what you were saying about, you know, we were talking about threading the needle. There is no property that I can think of other than maybe the James Bond property, which has has existed for 50 plus years at this point, where, and I think that one you're able to, kind of excuse it away because and maybe Doctor Who's another example where you're able to bring in different doctors and it's kind of written the canon like with James Bond you know um, you know different actors play different versions of James Bond and and they're not really tied to one another it's not like a like a, a, a sequential you know sequential set of movies where what happens in this latest movie had anything to do with the movie from 50 years ago it's, it's completely you know independent right doctor who has it built into their canon that you know the doctor changing forms is you know here's why i'm not a doctor who fan but i know several of the people listening to this podcast are star wars though 
something that's been said and I think is one of the smartest things, and I, I think I've maybe duplicated and said it on this podcast a couple of times, is that everyone has their own original entry point into Star Wars. There's the original fan base who was introduced to it in the 70s when they were you know, preteens, teenagers, maybe, you know, young adults. And again, it was so uh, industry breaking. It was, it was, it was was what I'm trying to look for here. It it, it was shattering really what it did in terms of this entry, this entire genre that never existed before that it, people went to go see it four or five, six times in the theater. Right. And mind you, this was before you said this before, before movie trailers could just pop up on your phone, right? You just, you just went, it was word of mouth. That was their entry point, and that to them in that moment created these this this relationship to this franchise. Then it takes twenty years or fifteen years, however long it was, before the prequel films come out, where we've had so much advancement in um, uh, technology that George Lucas is able to go a lot heavier into the technology piece. And again, his writing is horrible, but here's what happened in that fifteen year time span is there was a void there was a vacuum of star wars content so all of these independent writers and creators and storytellers told their own story with the approval of lucasfilm with the approval of lucas said yeah go do it hog wild he kind of is this free thinking i would almost say it was like free source yeah yeah like open source source software yeah kind of do whatever you wanted with it so then when he said you can do any of it as long as you don't touch these characters you can't you can't touch these storylines so they did they went and and went hog wild with it well then he comes around and creates the prequels the problem is is the fan base had grown up they became vested in some of this other material that filled the gap so when this stuff comes around it gets panned. Now, the first one got panned. Second one was a little bit better. The third one was pretty good. Revenge of the Sith, by the time they got around to that, because it tied so well to number four, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. so that was, but here's the thing is that was the OGs. There were also this generation of kids who that was their first entry point to Star Wars. And not even just kids, young adults. I was in college. Yeah. My first entry point was I was uh, a junior in college and I and I and I got to witness it for the first time. I was like this is interesting. Now I want to go back and look at the original and I remember thinking at the time going the original series kind of falls flat for me a little bit. Like after seeing the prequels, I was the, the original's oh, kind yeah. of like Bleh, for me. Now that I understand the history of it a little bit more, it's not so much. But at the time, I didn't. So then you get to the the new sequel, which I know we haven't gotten to yet. But it's the same thing. We've had, you know, 15 years or 10 years since Star Wars stuff, then 2015. And, and mind you, when Disney bought Star Wars, that wasn't exactly the most popular decision in the world from Star Wars fans. You know, lots of people saying that Star Wars was going to be Disneyized or whatever, right? But again, you've had the original generation of, of, of fanboys who grew up even older. You've had the prequel generation grow up. Now they're in their 30s and 40s. But again, you've also got a new generation who Ray is their hero, who Finn is their hero, who Poe is their hero, or, you know, and... And yes, there's some nice nods to the original, some nice nods to the prequels, but this is a whole new set, right? So it's a hard needle to thread. I guess I don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but I just want to throw this out there into the void to get people yeah. thinking about it. I feel like the next franchise that is going to go through this kind of difficult thing is going to be the Harry Potter franchise. Mm. that it's been a void where there's not really been. I mean, I know the Harry Potter and the Cursed Child was the play that came out and that kind of, again, continued the story. But I'm wondering at what point does either J.K. Rowling or the studio or somebody decide we're going to either give a prequel to Harry Potter or a sequel movies to Harry Potter and what that response looks like and how that is... So I, I'm curious on that. You're right. There's not enough time on this. First of all, I'm not a Harry Potter guy, so it's hard for me to discuss it. But I will tell you, I don't know. I don't know how well it would do. Not because of it being its own thing, 
J.K. Rowling has gotten into a lot of hot water recently, like within the last year, for some comments that she's made about transgender people. Mm-hmm. And the LGBTQ community has basically blacklisted her. They refuse to go to the movies. They refuse to go to the theme parks. They refuse to read her books. The, the Some of the new pre, prequel stuff that they put out or these anthology things they put out, they're not going because they don't want to line her pockets. It's really, it's kind of like really crazy. Not, I mean, I, I get where they're coming from, but I also think it's important to realize there's lots of other people involved and JK Rowling's probably the least person involved at this point. I don't think she has as much creative control as they think she does, but I guess we'll see. <laughs> yeah. But that's just like an interesting, I think that's the next big yeah. franchise that they're going to have to make a decision on how th- that you're going to have again, a new fan base that yeah. enters at a different time than the original fan base. Well, so, Mar- Marvel's the other one where yeah, that's but, true. But the thing about Marvel though. So we're about 10, we're, well, we're, we're not 10, we're actually 12 years removed from the original Iron Man at this point. Um, or 13? Was it 2009 or 2008? 2009, yeah. Okay, so 12 years removed from the original Iron Man. That said, we've kind of got that new generation entering. This is why Marvel's doing so good, I think, is that they're kind of resetting. They're resetting on their own with homages to the original. Mm-hmm. The other thing I wanted to add, which was the second point from earlier, we were talking about Galaxy's Edge. You're 100% right. Galaxy's Edge, there hasn't, I don't know of anybody who has walked into galaxy's edge and walked away going eh, or that was horrible in fact i just had some friends down there uh where who was it i think it was my friend kelly and mark they were down there and i think it was mark whoever it was they walked in and they saw the millennium falcon for the first time sitting there and whoever this was his wife captured him and he was crying like her husband the father of her kids was crying it's the millennium falcon like that whether the ride's cool or not just the visceral response of being able to see the millennium falcon when you walk into to galaxy's edge and you 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 walk into batu and go that's the friggin millennium falcon parked right there is a pretty like that tells you how important star wars is in the hearts of millions of people around the world yeah yeah, absolutely. So um, let's get in the movie here. Yeah, um, right. We're I, I feel like two minutes into the episode, right? Yeah, you know, it, I, 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 this was. I feel like this is a good kind of. Again, like this is the one that has kind of the most history behind it. The, the rest mm-hmm. of the movies don't have as much, like, in my mind, interesting like backstory to it. There's a lot like this. This this movie is the one that started this whole craze. So. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's kind of weird to kind of, I guess, go on our like, like. Do you have a favorite character, Casey? Like, I feel like that's kind of a weird question to ask in this. But um, I guess favorite part, I guess, is maybe a more applicable thing in this. Is is there a good part that you really, really like in this movie? You know, again, this is a really, a really hard one. And I think this is going to be interesting because, again, it's hard for me to even think about parts of this movie without thinking about how they relate to the prequels or to the sequels. Now, again, since we've been doing this in chronological order, I think one of my favorite parts, yet at the same time, is also one of the parts that I feel a little let down by because I'm relating it to the prequel, is the part where Obi-Wan Kenobi and Darth Vader meet for the first time after so many years. Now, again, this was written and filmed 40-some years ago, fifty, you know, almost 50 years ago now. And, and at the time, their original battle that they have on Mustafar uh, had not happened in George Lucas's mind. So I think the letdown happens and that the battle does not seem nearly as intense as the one that they had on Mustafar. But at the same time, it is really cool to see um, Darth Vader battle his old um, master. I would liken it to, and oh my God, you're going to faint when I say this. Oh, no. I would liken it to when Ahsoka Tano and Darth Vader meet and she realizes who he is for the first time. Um, I happened to I catch am it. Go- I, I am going to faint. <laughs> <laughs> I happened to catch a YouTube clip of that the other day. I think I think Facebook is listening and is starting to show me clips of the yes. Clone Wars and Rebels and everything. But Isn't no, that such I, a great scene? It is an absolutely great scene. And that I think is a much more satisfying scene because it, it 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 comes after the fact. And but again, I think that is one of my favorite scenes because again, it is it is the master and the pad one finally coming face to face again. And and 
I just if they ever were to do a remake of, of a new hope, I would love to see that scene played out with Ewan McGregor and Darth Vader. Like how awesome that would be as opposed yeah. to Alan Guinness. I know it'll never happen. My God, the world would go crazy. Uh, but that would be an awesome scene to remake. I think. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. Cause I mean, cause that that's with, with this, you, you do have to like go, okay, this was made in 1977. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to have 1977 technology. And, yeah. and I've just kind of come to accept that. And so it doesn't bother me as much anymore. Well, and I, I think, I think also before you go to yours, I, you know, the lore behind what made a lightsaber in terms of the Kyber crystals, that was not established. Frankly put the Sith, I don't think is even, if I'm not mistaken, it's not even mentioned in a new hope at that point. No. So yeah, the dark side of the force. I don't even know if they talk about the dark side of the force. In the I first believe episode. they do. Okay. I, I believe there's like a, a vague reference. To okay. It, but yeah, there's none there's of that backstory much, had yeah. been written yet. So you can clearly see that there's a lot of retconning going on later on. Um, but if you, I think this is one of those things where you just have to use your imagination and imagine what's going through their head a little bit, you know? Yeah, yeah absolutely. What was, your, what was yours? I love the um, the when they're in the cantina um, recruiting Han Solo and Chewbacca. I love just the uh, when they drive in and it's the first time that he uses like the Jedi mind trick of mm-hmm. you know we are not the, these are not the droids you're looking for, and then they go into this. Uh, cantina and watering hole yeah this watering hole and you'll never find you know a more wretched place of scum and villainy and uh i i i just i i really like and and that's another scene of where like that music the has has um uh just kind of transcended i once heard i was at um weird weird really weird thing but uh, um, I, my family vacations in northern Michigan near Interlochen, which is a, um, yep. a private okay. music music based yeah. school. It's a camp they, up there. Yeah, they do a collage concert every year where it's like all of these different groups and everything comes together. And so I heard thirty bassoons play the Cantina Band song, oh. and it was awesome. <laughs> so speaking of that scene, um, okay, do you know who Doc Ondor is? Yes, he's in that scene. I, I, so, so I Doc like Ondor's Doc Ondor's Den of Antiquities is a shop on Batu. The only reason I know is so. Say, so when when I was at, uh, running the Galaxy's Edge exhibit at Star Wars Celebration, we had a maquette um, in a glass case, I mean, this thing was probably I want to say thirty six inches high, maybe more, um, by twenty four or thirty inches wide all the way around, and it was a maquette of the Doc Ondor. Um, uh, animatronic mm-hmm. and sure enough I'm watching this the other day I think it's the first time I've probably watched A New Hope or maybe the second time since I did Star Wars Celebration and I'm like holy crap that's Doc Ondor like and clearly they pulled Doc Ondor um, uh, for for <laughs> his denim and antiquities to, uh, to from that movie and I was just like wow that's how and again this goes back to what I was talking about with the synergy and the, the call outs and the, and the callbacks they did a really good job of, of you know of really honing in on past as well as the new stuff I just yeah that scene's a really great scene I absolutely love that scene yeah yeah it's it, I, I don't think there's necessarily like scenes in this movie that I dislike I think mm-hmm. more of it just comes from our normal kind of Star Wars nitpicks which is like sometimes the writing is a little bit clunky <laughs> Um, you know, I, agree I have a question you. for you. Oh yes, go for it. Um, quick, that wants your gut reaction. When you think of Obi Wan Kenobi, who do you think of? Alan Guinness or Ewan McGregor? I think of Ewan McGregor. Okay, so do I. So do yeah, I. Like, yeah, I think it's, it's this is Ewan one of those. McGregor. This is one of those movies where I know Alan Guinness, Alan Guinness originated the role, and I know you hear him. I think you hear him again in the next movie, and, and I understand. Originally, I think you also see him in the last movie. Um, of this of the sequel trilogy, and they did a good job of bringing his voice in into the sequel trilogy as well. But for me, uh, Obi Wan Kenobi is Ian McGregor. Like, it, it, like it's just hands down. That's who and he is. To be honest with you, I'll bet a major. I would I would bet some money, maybe not all my money, but some money <laughs> that a majority of Star Wars fans think that. Yeah, 
because uh, uh, Ewan McGregor has just played he played that role so well. I mean, it says Hello something there. that you know, yeah, yeah. Like, it, like it, there. if there's one thing about the and we went through this with the prequel trilogy. If there's one thing that people are universally satisfied with, it is Ewan McGregor yeah. as Obi Wan Kenobi. Like, no yeah. one's like, oh, you know what I hate about this movie, Ewan McGregor. Did you hear? Um, speaking of people, two different actors played the same character. Did you hear that Hayden Christensen is going to reprise his role in the Ahsoka Tano series? I did hear that. <laughs> um, I am the both the Obi Wan and Ahsoka Tano series. I am pretty excited for. I'm excited um, about both of those and the Boba Fett one that's coming and the new Mandalorian series. That's I mean, coming. Boba Fett's coming quick. Like, I mean, I, we're at the end of October. We're recording this at the end of October. This episode releases, you know, uh, in, in seven, November, yeah, if not. Yeah. In, and so we're like month and a half away by the time now, this releases. Is Mandalorian coming out this year too? Or is, I is think that that's next early year? next year is what I, okay. what so I, heard. Not gonna I do could the be same totally time. wrong about that. Interesting. Um, the, honestly, though, the uh, I mean, I know I've said this on the pod that Grand Admiral Thrawn is the the villain that I am more excited about seeing. I mean, you want to talk about a truly terrifying villain? It, Grand <laughs> Admiral Thrawn is is very terrifying. Speaking of Boba Fett, am I mistaken, or does he make a cameo in this because of the retroactive digital that Lucas puts in? I believe so. Let me. I swear, in the scene with Jabba that he's there i i know there's there's yes. a bounty yes. hunter is that him um so yeah it's it's there's a whole i just did a google search and there's a screen rant article of why george lucas added job of the hut and boba fett into a new hope gotcha um, and so um i'm not gonna go and read the whole article but yes you are correct that they yeah boba fett the first the first appearance Dinner, that he yes, had was holiday, the special. holiday special yeah and, and um, so clearly it wasn't in a new hope, but it makes sense. Like that's one of those retcons. That's like fine. Yeah, unless you're original fanboy who that's ah, not the way it's supposed to be. You know, did you know that Jabba the Hutt was originally supposed to be a, a, a man? He wasn't supposed to be this. Oh, really? Giant, he wasn't supposed to be this giant lizard like thing. Yeah. In yeah. fact, the footage from what I read, the footage they, they retroactively applied of Han Solo jumping over his tail was not the original footage from the original movie. It was the separate footage because he actually, he walks over something in, in that, or the, the, the cut they did not use or something. It's really oh, that was the other hilarious thing that I read on a, off was like, they got to the end of the movie and uh, you know, shooting the movie and they, they, some parts were like, Oh, maybe we need to reshoot this. But Mark Hamill got like into a car accident, had a face injury. Oh. And so they couldn't because he had a face injury. Wow. Um, that's just a weird like thing that I remember reading. So like a lot of it just is, they were like, well, guess this is what it is. <laughs> that's crazy. Um, parts that just, you know, don't do it for you. Oh, let me see here. I mean, obviously, there's the generic, like, you know, technology thing, but I don't know if there's a part that does. But again, the technology thing, though, it's hard for me to say because I've seen it with the upgrades of, you know, even the ones on Disney Plus is the upgraded version of it, you know? So, like, for me, it's hard to to say no. There's 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 parts that I don't don't like. When we get to the um, uh, the next one, the, the what's it called? Revenge of the... No, that's the other one. Uh... Uh, the Empire Strikes Back. Sorry, <laughs> that one I'm going to have some beefs with. I hate the whole Hoth scene. I absolutely hate the Hoth scene. Oh, really? really? Yeah, I'm not. I, you know what? It, it, we'll get to it when we get there. But I will say this: it's an aversion to snow scenes in general. I don't like snow. I love snow in real life. I love Christmas. I don't like snow in movies. I don't like underwater in movies or in video games. It's really weird. I hate those levels. They drive okay. me nuts. We need to unpack this. So like <laughs> like when you watch Christmas specials, I love snow no, no, no. you. Christmas specials, it's good. When it's out of the Christmas context and it's just snow, can't do it. Is there and another example of not, a movie that does this do that, you, that you don't like? like oh what, my what, goodness. Do you, do you have um, to stop your head or is it just a general thing? It's just a general thing. I'm trying to think. Christmas movies aside, again, I love Christmas. It's it's. I don't like the Hoth scene. I don't like um, um, 
you know, even Frozen doesn't bother me because it's kind of it's kind of Christmassy. I don't know. Maybe it comes out during Christmas Eve. Maybe it is just Hoth. I don't know. I don't know. I try to think of there. Okay, another one. Um, Donkey Kong Country. I hate the ice levels in Donkey Kong Country. <laughs> I absolutely hate them. I hate the ice levels in Super Mario Brothers. I absolutely hate the levels in Super Mario Brothers. Whenever there's like a snow covered scene, it's like this is annoying. Stop. I don't want to slip and slide. You know. Um, same with underwater scenes in, 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 in video games. I absolutely hate underwater. When when in the prequel, when they go underwater with the Gungans and stuff, I hate that. You hate that? I wow. hate that. I this don't know what it is. fascinating. I need a full, like, we need to get, like, a psychologist in here. I don't I know, need, man. I need a full breakdown of what it's this like, means. It's like desert scenes. I hate desert scenes, like, in, in video games. Um, I don't necessarily mind, mind them in, in movies, I guess, because I like Indiana Jones and yeah but so. i wouldn't say like it i'm i'm i wouldn't say indiana jones is like full of desert scenes uh last crusade is uh, i guess that's true yeah last crusade's full of it yeah, yeah and um, and frankly i mean the temple of doom's got a lot of they're not really deserts though that's more yeah just i guess you're right so this is hilarious i just googled like I, to try to get some more examples uh top snow movie scenes and, okay what do you got most of them are are Christmas ones, yeah. Um, like I mean, you know, but um, Edward Scissorhands. Does don't that, like the movie. Can't okay. stand it. Nope. I, I don't really that like that scene, movie either. That scene when he's when it's like falling all the snow and and they're falling on the topiaries and he's freezing and his face is all blue. Oh, I hate that scene. Yeah, that's another big... reason why I don't like Nightmare Before Christmas either. Yeah, um, and then um, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Nope. No, nope. I like tried. That? I tried. I tried. I tried so hard to like that movie. The whole series, actually, because mm-hmm. um, there's a whole series, isn't it? The Chronicles. Oh yeah, of Narnia. yeah, Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah. I tried. Um, Nutcracker. Um, I love the Nutcracker, the new Disney Nutcracker, but I don't like when it's snowing. Oh, hey, I know we just. This is a side note. We just set that schedule. I have never seen that movie. Oh, um, oh. we should absolutely put that on the calendar for a Christmas time. We absolutely should. It's um, one of those, like when it came out, I never got around to it. Every Christmas, I'm like, I'm gonna watch that, and then it's like January, I never do. So, all right, I'll um, tell you what. Let's put it in replace of the Diz Games Challenge. It'll yes. come up. On, it'll come out on the 28th, but it still is close enough. You know, because because the Nutcracker Ballet when Tchaikovsky um, composed it. It was not meant to be like we, we've shoehorned it into a Christmas song. He just set the ballet at Christmas. It's not necessarily a Christmas ballet. We've just kind of put that there. Okay. The movie is really good. So listeners, FYI, you just got a little little taste of, of, of how we do our business. We actually just set our holiday schedule through the end of December. But we're going to rec- – instead of a Disney Games Challenge on the 18th of December, we are going to record The Nutcracker, which will come out on the 28th of December for you. Perfect. Okay. okay, great. Wow, I didn't I didn't even think about that. When you said that, I was like, oh my gosh, I still haven't seen that movie. <laughs> okay, I want to get back on track real quick, though. Yeah, sorry. And one of the things I want to talk about with on Star Wars, because we are Disney Store nerds, is the merchandising. Yes. I want to talk about the merchandising. There is a um, – you have Netflix, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. There is a series called The Toys That Made Us. Did I know you exactly. Did you watch the, the Star Wars one? Did you watch the Star Wars one? I have. Okay. Listeners, if you've not watched this um, uh, show, the, the, this particular episode about Star Wars toys, you need to do it, especially if you lived through it, because the way that they they transferred the, the way that they were trying to find people to merchandise these toys, companies to merchandise these toys, nobody wanted to do it. And they found this literally lackluster company called Kenner that was known for this obscure toy. Well, you're doing a toy series right now. I, you should probably do one of these. If you haven't got it on your schedule, this might be a good one to do. Okay. Um, but anyway, um, this lackluster company called Kenner decided, yeah, we'll do them. But, you know, it's not going to be that. I mean, it's, a, it's a, you know, it's not going to be a lot of toys that we have to do. It's not going to be a huge hit. And they were sold out. They were on pre-order pre-order for months and months and months and months and the toys that finally came like luke skywalker's lightsaber was like loose like it it, it, like flopped over it was really bad It, it like but these toys now are like worth thousands of dollars if you yeah. still have them in their packaging yeah it's it's crazy well and this is how lucas made his money that you know kind of the when when you from what i gather in the movie business you know you you do some things on the cheap yep and then when you hit something big that's when you say okay now i can demand a bigger salary well he said no 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 
I'll just take the low salary. You give me all the merchandising rights. Exactly. And, and merchandising wasn't really a thing that, I mean, now every movie is merchandised where you've got toys and shirts and books and all this other stuff that comes out. Not as much of a thing back in the 70s. And so 20th Century Fox was like, sure, whatever, we don't care. Well, that's what made him the money, is yeah, well, the merchandising. So so just want to read this real, real quick. This comes right from Wikipedia. Little Star Wars merchandise was available for several months after the film's debut, as only Kenner Products had accepted marketing director Charles Lippincott's licensing offer. Kenner responded to the sudden demand for toys by selling boxed vouchers in its empty box Christmas campaign. Television commercials told children and parents that vouchers within a Star Wars early bird certificate package could be redeemed for four action figures between February and June 1978. Jay West of the Los Angeles Times said the boxes in the came became in the campaign became the most coveted empty boxes in the history of retail. <laughs> and in 2012, the star Wars action figures were inducted into the national toy hall of fame. So just imagine you're a kid, you're a 12 year old boy or a 12 year old girl. You are a star Wars fanatic. You just saw this movie. You want to be able to bring the action up. Cause remember this is before the internet folks, like the, the internet didn't exist. Video games did not exist. I think maybe Atari possibly was just coming action out. Action figures were the thing. Action right. figures were the thing. And for Christmas, you get an empty cardboard box with a certificate that says you can redeem for toys in February. Yet everybody wanted it. Mm-hmm. You could not get away with that today. I mean, I guess pre-sales are kind of the version of that now, but they have all that planned out. And if you think about, you know, again, you're doing the discontinued on display, the whole idea of toys. If you think about um, kind of strategy behind toy marketing when these fads happen, one of the reasons why these fads take off and one of the reasons why they gain so much popularity is because the demand outweighs the supply because you underestimate how popular the toy or the product is going to be. It's happened at various points throughout history. It's happened again with star wars it's happened with the furbies it's happened with tickle me elmo i don't know if you're doing one of those but that's an episode tickle me <laughs> elmo. i don't think that's technically discontinued i think you can still buy it no me tickle elmo. me elmo is this he's gone oh, really he, yeah he, he, he the original one gone he he went away for 10 years then he came back and then he disappeared i think oh. we're at like the 30th anniversary or 25th anniversary of it at this point oh man but beanie babies right Demand way out, uh, out outlived the supply, well, kind of, <laughs> not towards the end, but at one point they did. My point is this, just imagine you really, like, the only time that something like that could work would have been that point in history. You really couldn't do it now. Like, it would be seen as a blunder in toy circles now, yet that's what put Kenner on the map. And to this day, Kenner, along with Hasbro, I want to say, are the, the two main um, licensees of Star Wars toys. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, what a, what a, for that company, what a like move that you go, wow, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, what what a, what a save. Yeah, right here it says Kenner Products obtained the rights to produce Star Wars action figures and playsets for the Star Wars tr- trilogy from 1976 through 1985. After Kenner acquired the license to produce Star Wars toys when the Mego Corporation rejected it in 1976. How would you like to be them? Oh. Kenner popularized the 3.75-inch action figure. Think about that. 3.75 inches. Oh, yeah. You look at the original one. They're, they're small. Tiny. They're, that they're became tiny. an industry standard that continues to dominate the action toy figure market, or action figure toy market. Kenner also produces toys related to the popular 1970 series, The Six Million Dollar Man and the movie Alien. They entered the die-cast toy market with a short-lived range called Fast 11s. Um, I'm trying to see if they lost... I don't know if they lost the right to Star Wars now or if they're still making them. I mean, oh, now they still got them. Well, and, and now with Disney in charge, there's, you know, it's yeah. it's you've got all the... Because under the Disney umbrella, there's a bunch of Disney licensing agreements that I'm sure Star Wars falls mm-hmm. under. Like, there's... You can find more Star Wars merchandise now, but... I've got sitting over here behind me over here oh up top here i don't know if you can see it it's oh, yeah it's right oop, there <laughs> i have the mandalorian in the the black series but in the white box yeah that was the one that released with the, the first year last year uh when mandalorian came out he's worth some money 
Like, yeah. That, I mean, the thing is, the Star Wars toys still retain their value mm-hmm. for yeah. certain ones. You I know, worked, I worked that day, so I was not able to get one of those. Ah, I, were you, were you, I don't know if you were the one who rang me up or not, but I think I probably was. I know <laughs> I was working that morning. Yeah, but, I, I mean, I got that I'm... one, and I got the um, the. Uh, I think it got Kylo Ren too. Yeah, I was say there were like six of them that and that came in the white box. Yeah, there were the um, and that was a big like edition. first. No, that's the whole like first edition thing. I mean, that, yep. that's a big thing with toys and and you know collectible cards and stuff like that too. Like first edition Pokemon cards are worth a ton of money because it's the first mm-hmm. edition. And my niece and nephew are into Pokemon cards now. Yeah, like like they're moving away from Disney a little bit. Like mm-hmm. Lily, Lily is Lily is going to be um, ten this year. And I don't know if I remember to the Disney training when they teach you about about the lost years. Remember that yeah. training? So listeners, when you go through Disney Store training, they teach you about different age groups. And the lost years for little girls are about age ten through about age sixteen, where they lose interest in all things Disney because they're too cool for it. She's getting there. And I'm really I'm really sad about it because it's yeah, been a and, 10 years. and I mean I remember going through that stage too, yeah. where it's like I'm too cool for this and. You know, it is what it is. Um, anyway, um, I mean, just it, it. Anytime I watch this movie, like the the end always makes me really excited. Like when the, when Luke fires that in and the Death Star blows up, it's like yeah. I like it when 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 Han Solo shows back up. Yeah, it's all yours, kid, or however he says that. Like Yahoo! Yeah, <laughs> like it does have kind of a free, just kind of a free flowing spirit. This kind of a you know you know, damn the man kind of thing going on, you know, which feels yeah. really good. And that was totally 1970s too. And I do think that I, I have to appreciate Harrison Ford here because this is one of those movies that you get shoehorned into this role and this is who you are. I mean, yeah. I think this is one of the reasons why Mark Hamill moved in more into voice acting yeah. rather than... Well, he's had acting. just as much of an amazing career as oh, he did with this. I mean, as the, joke, as the Joker, you know? But I think that part of that is, like, he was typecast as Luke Skywalker. And I I, th- I think that... Um, it, he, He's been in big name stuff. I mean, of course, Indiana Jones. I mean, Han Solo. He's been in a ton of other things. And it's and- not just those adventure movies. I mean, he's done uh, Clear and Present Danger. The Fug- I think The Fugitive. Yeah, The Fugitive um, he did. Uh, Air Force One, which is one of my favorite movies. I absolutely mm-hmm. love Air Force One. Yeah. The other the other actor that I feel like, the other two actors that I feel like are doing it really well are um, Emma Watson and uh, um, Daniel Radcliffe. Both of mm-hmm. them have found pretty good work yep. in a variety of things. Yeah. Um, uh, Daniel Radcliffe, um, uh, there's a, a TV show called Miracle Workers that he stars in and does a really nice job. Um, so, I, but, but I, and I appreciate when actors can do that because I feel like it's so easy for us to be like that, that actor's this character and we can't divorce ourselves from that. So I, I, I just appreciate appreciation I, I to Harrison Ford. Well, I think it's also important that we call out, um, uh, Carrie Fisher too. Yeah, uh, Carrie Fisher. I mean, she really got her jump start from this. From this yeah. movie it was really what started her career. And and yeah, she had some major substance abuse problems and some other stuff that happened as she kind of moved through the you know late eighties and nineties and two thousands. But you know, her death that happened in in two thousand and seventeen. I want to say it was or sixteen two thousand and sixteen. I mean, was tragic. I mean fans around the world mourned her death because of just how much she meant to them as again as Leia Organa. I mean if you think about this, this was in this was in the heart of the women's rights movement, right? This you know we you know we'd already moved past, you know, the women's right to vote, but this was like all about uh feminism and and you know, if you really look at Princess Leia and the character that she plays, she's you know, I know that some, you know, men who are don't like seeing powerful women in roles would call her you know aggressive and all this stuff but no she took charge i mean she was in charge of herself you know Aren't you call you this that to be a stormtrooper like you that? call this a rescue or whatever she says yeah i mean like and i think because of that i think lucas um Lu- lucas i think recognized how important that was in that time period and and was able to make a statement about it, which people and I think by doing that, you were able to get not only the men who would this this particular um, uh, genre would attract, but you were able to get the women that this genre maybe would not attract otherwise. Yeah, you're right. And really, if you think about it, Carrie Fisher is the first 
big death in the Star Wars universe. Like yeah. I know some others have 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 passed away. Like I know the original Chewbacca actor, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Isn't it, I think Warwick Davis did he finally? Pass? I think yeah, I think he too. passed as well. But but yeah. I mean, but really, she, like he came first. She came first. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's and and we're starting to get to that point with a lot of these movies where it's like, well, oh. Alec Guinness, obviously. Oh I mean, yeah, we talk course. Alec Guinness, but he was. This was one of I don't know if this was one of his final parts or not. You know, it's funny because. For a long time, he he really really regretted that this is the part that people knew him for because I mean he was a he was a, a thespian trained or he was he was a, like a, a professionally trained thespian you know out of um, out of England and had done you know major roles and I think Hamlet and some other things and this is what a lot of mainstream audiences knew him for and for the longest time he hated that but I think towards the end before he passed away I think he kind of. Uh, um, from what I've read or heard, um, he kind of embraced it a little bit, a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. So. I hear you. Um, anything else about the movie you want to talk about? I don't, I've got nothing else from a new hope. So I, I mean, it, it's, it, again, this was a weird episode to prepare for because, uh, it, it's like, this is just an iconic movie. I think one thing I want to add that is interesting about this movie is that unlike every other movie we've watched so far in the series, when you think about the endings of all the movies we've watched so far in the series, you can clearly tell they are setting you up for the next movie. Every movie we watched, episode one, setting you up for two, two for three, three for four, and then you get um, Han Solo, which sets you up for something that I think they were planning for that I don't know if we're ever going to get. And then Rogue One sets you up for this. This movie being the first, they didn't know if they were going to have a sequel. You can definitely tell that it was going to be its own self-contained story if it needed to be. Mm-hmm. I think Lucas had in the back of his mind that it was always going to be three movies and possibly nine movies. All I, I know there's all that out there. But any movie producer, any movie director, when they're first starting out, and the same is true for Iron Man. Iron Man had to do this too. You know, even though he, I am Iron Man at the end of it, at the same time, it's a self-contained plot. And mm-hmm. this is a really good example of there's a self-contained plot. You don't know that there's a sequel coming. So... I, you know, where with, you know, Empire Strikes Back, you know that there's a sequel coming. Or it's yeah, clearly like, something's going to be resolved. Yeah. Or like, um, you know, with Back to the Future 2, you know there's a third sequel coming, right? So I just, I think that's really interesting because it's the first time, this is our, our sixth movie now that we've watched in the 11 movie trilogy, or in the 11 movie uh, series, that it's the sixth one, we're halfway through, and it clearly does not have a setup for the next one. Yeah, absolutely. So... Okay. Um, Very quickly before we end, I have non-Star Wars thing that I just yeah. I referenced this a couple episodes ago. I just finished on Disney Plus the Mysterious Benedict Society. Okay. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, you were talking about that. Um, it, um, to to maybe pitch you on it, Casey. Very little action. Um, Ooh. not an action-based series. Okay. A very cerebral series. Okay. Um, I might like that then. Um, and I just I. I I picked it up on a whim. I saw it, you know, I had seen advertisements for it and I got to watching. I was like, this is really fun. I'm enjoying this. I'm having a good time. It's it's got the a right mix of funny and heartfelt and this like espionage with smart kids. It it I if you are looking for hmm. something kind of new to watch, it's eight episodes. Each episode is just under an hour, so like, you know, forty five minutes to fifty minutes. I, I didn't like binge it or anything. I just kind of watched over the past couple months and uh, I, I very much enjoyed it. I, I have and to look the, into that. yeah, the main guy, Tony Hale, um, uh, he plays two characters who are twin brothers, but okay. each of them is very distinct and he does a very nice job of this brother has this persona and this brother has this persona and hmm. does a really nice job with it. So, Interesting. Um, I, 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 I am giving my Matthew Brown seal of approval on it. If you are looking for a recommendation of just something different to watch, check it out. Mysterious Benedict Society. That reminds me. Um, did you end up watching the second season of High School Musical, the musical series? I'm about show? halfway through. Okay. It, it, for those of you who I know we've talked about on the show before, um, it's it's the second season's great. It, it 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 moves a little bit slower than the first one. I think partially because they're not doing High School Musical, so it's a little bit different. But they explore the characters a lot more, and I, I highly recommend it if you guys have not um, 
have not watched the second season. I'm hoping they do a third season. It sounds like they're going to. I think they announced that they're yeah. renewing it, but it, I, I can't it's, remember. It's just a feel-good musical. So, um, Okay, so we're going to close up, but I want to um, just call out. So we referenced this earlier in the show. Uh, we have a number of new episodes that are going to be coming out over the course of the next month between now and the holidays. And we don't normally do this, but I'm kind of excited about these since we talked about these before yeah. we started recording that. So I just want to announce um, what they're what they're going to be. Um, and I guess uh, asterisk, these are all subject to change. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, We've done that a couple of times. We try not to change it that much. We try not to. And now that we're down to like one week at a time, it's not as hard. But um, so the, the next episode, if all goes to plan, um, we're going to be doing an episode on Peter Pan, not just the Disney version, but we're also going to talk about hook and just peter pan in general like the lore of peter pan um uh you know the different movies that have been made um so i'm really looking forward to that because peter pan's always been one of my favorite um uh just movies in general not necessarily the disney one but the whole idea of peter pan after that we get into some of our holiday content we're going to be talking about shop disney and specifically the releases that have been released as of today we're recording this on the 23rd of october so um by this point they'll, they'll have several of them out but we're going to talk shop disney holiday releases then i think my favorite episode that i'm ready for um i'm going to be in walt disney world on the 11th through the 16th so i'm going to be doing some on the spots on my phone and then we're going to bring them back into an episode about uh the enchantment or enchantment harmonious genie plus um neither of us have been down there since all these things have happened so that's Mm going to be that episode then we're going to finally get the jungle cruise reviewed that was on our agenda to do this month but it hasn't come out yet so i've seen it um but matt has not so um i'm excited about that then i'm going to take a week off um not because i'm going anywhere but matt has been watching marvel what if where I have not, and I don't have an interest in it. I tried. So he's going to bring on a special guest uh, to, to talk about Marvel What If. Then we're going to do a kind of a, should we call it a sequel to last year, Matt? Like, yes. We're going to do a sequel to the Home Alone episode we did last year on the Home Alone remake that they're doing this year. Um, I think Matt and I both agree that's going to be a fun, fun movie. That's going to be fun. I'm, I'm yeah. curious to see how, what they do with it. Yep. Then we're going to do an episode on Christmas at Walt Disney World, um, including some on-the-spot stuff that I might get while I'm down there. Um, then again, the aforementioned Nutcracker, which you heard right here on the on the um, uh, on the uh, <laughs> you heard it here first. Folks. You heard it here first. Yep, that'll take us through the 28th, and then at that point, we are going to take a couple of weeks off to to kind of enjoy time with our family. But don't worry, we will have a special episode in there, which I'm going to leave um alone for right now that will insert around the 11th of january so uh you'll really only be missing us for one week uh but we'll be bringing a special crossover episode which will be later to be determined so uh yeah um lots of fun between now and wrapping up 2021 can you believe that i I, like the fact that we have now planned through 2021 through 2022 Technically, we've got one planned through 2022. That's true, and yeah, and I mean we're coming up on two years here. Then you know, know. the calendar turns. No, over. we were doing a year ago. We were doing the Infinity Saga series. We were. That is insane <laughs> that we were doing. The, we were doing. We were doing not just two episodes. We were sometimes doing three episodes at a sitting. Yeah. That I think we did that one time, and we said never again. We were insane. We really were. <laughs> clearly, I we, was. Put it this way: we we were clearly when we started this not employed in our current jobs. <laughs> yes, we were in quarantine, sitting home, and honestly, because we used to record these on Thursday nights, and Thursday nights were my absolute favorite night of the week because it got me doing something. It got me actually doing something as opposed to just sitting there watching TV. So, but yeah, I, I it is hard to believe that we're. We're coming up on on two years and about well eighteen months, almost two years. But you know we're in that period now where we're in our groove. We've clearly got listeners who love us, and we really appreciate you guys. Um, so yeah, that said, it is closing time. Matt, how how do they get a hold of us? Yes, you can send us an email, uh, beers and ears nineteen twenty eight at gmail Even if you just want to say hi, like you don't necessarily have to have a purpose for emailing us. Just email us, like, hey, I'm 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 a listener. I've been a listener for blank amount of years. I, I probably one would be uh, the answer you would give in that case. Um, but um, it, we'd we'd love to hear from you and and hear your story, hear your Disney story. It's it we we enjoy hearing from you all. Facebook group Beers and Ears podcast. We post post a lot of news on there. Twitter and Instagram at Beers Ears nineteen twenty eight. 
as always, uh, please rate and review us. Uh, five stars, five stars. Leave a little review. It, it, it's, it really does help us a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, I will continue to make a plug. Discontinued on display. We're in the middle of our toys uh, uh, exhibit, and we're having a ton of fun with our toy exhibit. Um, it's been it's been a good time, and I'm excited about some of the stuff we got coming in the back half of season two. Um, and we've got some holiday stuff planned as well. Woo! So um, yeah, I'm I'm excited. So um, all right, well um, my gin and tonic is is gone, uh, but let's raise those glasses. Oh, Casey's got a nice Star Wars glass. Yeah, it's got. Um, Skywalker from Celebration there, yeah. He came prepared for this episode. um, And this episode has been on us. We'll see you next time. Have a great day, everybody. May the Force be with you. Thank you for listening to a Sorcerer Network podcast.